Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. Our podcast today is about an extraordinary company called Lineage Logistics. They've been called the quiet food giant you've never heard of. They are in the cold storage, transportation, and distribution industry. What is that? Well, it's about getting your food from field to fork. It's about that beautiful, beautiful strawberry, freshly picked, goes thousands and thousands of miles. Lineage is a B2B. They're a company with extraordinary servant leadership. So if you want to learn about servant leadership, about having the employees at the top of the pyramid, taking the pyramid of authority and putting it upside down. They have fabulous videos on their website. They have one for every single one of their values. They're short, but they showcase their employees because their employees are what makes Lineage so special. Giving pride to their employees. And think about it, guys. They're talking about refrigerated giant warehouses where people have to bundle up with coats and gloves and actually boots to keep their feet warm. This is not an easy job. But the over 14,000 employees at Lineage in this B2B, the quiet food giant you've never heard of, they are so passionate about their company's reason for being, their purpose, that they show up not with 100% of their energy every day, but 125, 150% of their energy, because ultimately they're feeding the world. Now, if any of you have followed our B2B Purpose Paradox report and study, you've learned that 86% of B2Bs around the globe have a stated purpose. They've got it on the wall, but only 24% activate their purpose. Lineage is one for the books. Again, we're going to dive into their purpose about transforming the global food supply chain to eliminate waste and feed the world how they do it on an ongoing basis, and especially during COVID. How their purpose allowed them to immediately, agilely shift their capabilities. They had to hire more employees because they were such an essential part of the food distribution chain. Over one-third of the U.S. food they touch to get them from field to grocery store to your table. Today, we have uh, two of their executives. We have Sean Vander Elzen, and he's their chief human resources officer. And we have Megan Hendrickson, who's their vice president of marketing and communications. So welcome to the show, Sean and Megan. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Carol. It's a treat to be here. You know, ever since I I read about you um, prior to the pandemic, um, I have just been a huge fan. So now I I trust that our listeners are going like, wow, there's this $2 billion company that we don't know about? Well, we want to know some more. So I always start with the numbers. So let me talk about the numbers of Lineage. You, and this is what's so profound, you drive over a third of the temperature-controlled food distribution in the United States and 8% of the global food supply. You have over 14,000 global team members, not employees, they're team members, 
You have over 5,000 customers. You run and operate almost 300 facilities that have extreme innovation. I mean, they don't look like, oh, storage of food on a pallet. I mean, they are so modernized. And you also, um, this is an amazing number. You you handle over 30 billion pounds, 30 billion pounds of food on an annual basis. Whoa. So you're called the quiet food giant, but today we're going to find out a lot more about your culture, your purpose, and why you are just so successful. So let's just start with your backgrounds. Um, Sean and Megan, tell us briefly about your career trajectory and why you're so excited to be at Lineage. Well, hey, hey, thanks, Carol. This was, uh, it, I really mean it. It's a great opportunity to be here. You know, I've, I've been in HR most of my career. I started my career at uh, General Motors in the automotive industry. And, and four and a half years ago, I, I came to Lineage. And I remember making the decision to come, uh, you know, being raised in Detroit, coming out of automotive and into the food industry. And I remember a conversation that I had with Greg Lemkel, our, our CEO at the time, as I was considering Lineage, and he explained to me what the company does uh, in terms of store, ship, and move food, and, and how exciting the future was going to be here at Lineage, and, and both in, in growth and, uh, and just the opportunity to develop into some great company. Uh, I believed every bit of it at the time. And it has, uh, and it honestly has not uh, it not let me down once in the last four and a half years. Uh, you uh, you made me a little tired with your introduction. Honestly, we, we do we do a lot of work, and in addition to that, I think you know we feel like we feel like we are, and uh, and feel the dynamic nature of our company every day when we come to work. So I, I just I just love uh, love showing up every day. It's it's a fantastic opportunity. Ah, the the true, true uh, qualities of a great leader. So we're going to get into Greg uh, in a bit. But Megan, tell us about your career trajectory and when you joined Lineage and, you know, how's your job going? How is my job going? Well, I can tell you it's been one of the most incredible rides. Um, I've loved every single second I've been a part of Lineage Logistics, which has been almost seven years now I joined the company. So I've seen a real evolution and journey of this company moving from, you know, 30 warehouses to now over 300 of them um, have really seen the company grow and transform and, and go to places that are truly exciting and innovative. And from a pure marketing and communications perspective, it's an incredible story to tell over and over and over. You know, we're not sitting around making paper clips all day. We're really doing something meaningful and tangible to our world. So I have absolutely loved my experience here. But prior to coming to Lineage, um, I worked in a series of marketing communications agencies on the East Coast. And I worked for the federal government prior to that. So it's been a bit of a transition moving into supply chain and logistics. But um, it has been unquestionably the best career decision of my life. Oh, this is going to be a recruiting podcast. That's that, that that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I love and and I I think I'm going to give kudos to Megan because if if any of our listeners, if you want to see great B two B communications, compelling, heartfelt, simple but direct, go to their website. Um, and the and the. And it's not just clean and beautiful, um, and it makes logistics so exciting, um, but you have a lot of videos. And the videos that you have of your people, and it's through the voice of your people, um, it, you know, you just want to watch more and more and more. It is such, you know, it's kind of like, I'm going to watch videos of a logistics company. They're great. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And I I really can't take the credit there, Carol. I do want to give a little bit of a, a little bit of a shout out to my team who are absolutely special and remarkable at everything that they do. But I think what also makes Lineage so special, and I know Sean and I will get into this a little bit later in our conversation, but the team members of Lineage Logistics are just incredibly passionate, incredibly creative and kind and, and motivated. And uh, you can't tell that story without them being truly and authentically remarkable individuals in their own right. So I think we're really lucky to work for a company that's just chock full of 
really special people around the world. How do you create a culture, a culture in a B2B company that everybody is so excited to be there? So I'd love you to talk about Greg, his vision, and the journey to how did you find your purpose, but then how do you activate it? Greg himself, um, you know, started with the company about five years ago. And um, I think the most impressive thing about him is the first thing he did is did a series of listening sessions. He didn't come in and talk. He didn't come in and share what his new strategy or vision for the company was going to be. He went out to uh, tons of facilities, talked to our team members directly, asked them questions like, what's it like to work here? What do you think our culture is? What should our culture be? What would you do if you were me? Um, and then he took all that feedback from all those listening sessions and developed the strategy of the company out of that. And, um, and when we sort of said, when we sort of took a look, step back and looked at what all of those things said, it said, you know, people wanted to be a part of one team. People wanted to be a value-based culture. People knew that there was value in the work that they did in terms of you know, getting food from the farm to people's tables. And so uh, kind of, you know, in a way, I think the wisdom of, of, of Greg's approach is that it kind of, you know, handed large parts of the strategy to the leadership team to then maybe shape and develop and more importantly, uh, research, re resource, which is kind of the key to our notion and our value of servant leadership is, okay, this is what the team thinks is the right approach. Now, how are we going to give the team the right tools and resources to get there? And then all that's backed by a really, really rigorous strategy management process that um, identifies a set of strategic projects every year, manages those strategic projects, and then communicates to the organization about how we're doing on those, and then attributes those to back to the feedback that they gave um, to begin with. So I think it's a really um, dynamic, virtuous cycle that we go through each year. And, and, and was servant leadership a value of the company before Greg got there? Or were they coterminous and developed together? Uh, they were definitely developed together. The company did have a set of values. I, I will be honest, that was probably a month or so before my time when um, the leadership team started to talk about the values. So, um, but, uh, but servant leadership is not one of the original values. And I think um, Greg in particular, a view that that should be a value and that, and that it's something that we should embrace. So in a sense, it's a value, but it's also become a leadership competency that we expect from our leaders at the same time. And speaking to Greg's leadership style as well, you know, to Sean's point, we had a set of values before Greg did come into the organization, but through those listening sessions, um, he was really able to harness, you know, the spirit of the existing values and translate them and elevate them to a new set that were a little bit more straightforward and a little bit more representative of all of the acquired companies that we had that we had purchased to date. So it's, it speaks to Greg really uh, valuing the voice of the team member and not like wanting to enforce his own set of values or his own set of beliefs on an organization to create culture. It's really authentic and true to what he heard. And so when we talk about things like values or purpose, none of it feels forced or inauthentic. It's, it's, it came from the ground up. Let's pivot to your purpose. Because we always say that purpose should be authentic. It should build off of an organization's values. Can you share your purpose journey? Um, and then how did you get to your purpose statement, which is transforming the food supply to eliminate waste and help feed the world? The journey was interesting. I think, um, I think we believe we were always a company with a purpose. Um, I, I I know we realized it was there. The key for us was how do we articulate it in a way that uh, is easy to understand and frankly motivates, motivates our team and helps people outside of our team understand what we're all about. We wanted to be more, of a, more than a dollars and cents company. We knew that long-term growth and sustainability meant more than just um, bottom line dollars and cents every quarter. And so we 
We spent a ton of time in the leadership team taking all those inputs that I mentioned before and centering around what are the right words to use here for our purpose. We played around with words like, should we shepherd, do we shepherd the food supply chain? Do we, you know, we, uh, we spent probably six months trying to come up with the right words because for one simple reason, and that was because we wanted to go, when we went out with something that we called our purpose statement, we didn't want it to be a flavor of the month. We didn't want it to be something that wasn't going to last. Um, the best part about that, Carol, is that uh, Megan and her team w- decided we should go out, just like some of those videos you were referencing, we should go out and talk to our team members about the purpose and get their reaction to it. And so she went to some of our Chicago land facilities and uh, totally unscripted, got some of our team members in front of the camera and said, here's our purpose. What do you think about it? And um, that video is probably out on our website. If not, we can certainly get it to you. But um, the the reactions um, from our team members to our purpose statement honestly almost brought tears to my eyes at the time because it resonated so well with them. It was real from the very beginning, and um, and we really just started living with it from that that point forward and centering all of our decisions around um, does it match our purpose. I love in the purpose statement. That to me, as an expert in the field, you've got three critical areas. One, you talk about transforming. And I know that has been the ethos of your founders um, to really transform the business. Then two, I I love the fact that you're attacking eliminating waste. You know, food waste, we could feed the world if we could deal with getting rid of eliminating the waste. From field to fork. Um, so that is a critical, that's a cause unto itself, a social issue. And then you add, you know, to help feed the world. And then you think about, you know, 2 billion people going to bed, you know, hungry every night and the growth of, of our global population. So it is so profound, really well done. And it's, again, I I hope our listeners will go to the website because when you see the videos of your colleagues and they're talking about like why they're so excited, like you know, purpose matters. And then they talk, they sometimes they'll, they'll narrow it down and just say feeding the world. They are so proud. So I'd love, is, is there a story or two you could share? Um, I'm sure you've got many about, you know, your employees at, at your team members at, at any level. And, you know, why they're so excited and energized by this purpose? Yeah, I think, um, I think one of the best things to highlight here is, uh, you know, there, all the things you talked about are absolutely true. We do, we do break our purpose down into those three parts that you talked about. And when, we're, and when we're thinking about a customer relationship, for example, we say, you know, what, what does transform the food supply chain mean to us and our customers? How do we do that with innovation? How do we freeze strawberries faster? Or how do we um, gain more efficiency in our operations um, so that we use less energy in the world? And then, you know, obviously you highlighted food waste is a big, big issue around the world. So, you know, the one that I'm most proud of is uh, we we talk about help feed the world. And when we use that piece of our purpose statement, we, uh, we center that around partnerships that we've got in the communities, like our partnership with Feeding America or the Global Food Banking Network. Our team members take a ton of pride. Uh, the fork truck driver that's loading the fork truck with a pallet of food that they know is going to the local food bank has so much pride when they're loading that food, knowing that it's going to feed people in their community, for example. And we hear those kind of stories every single day. Like, hey, I loaded a full truckload full of protein meat today. I know it's going to be the members of my community, and uh, and people feel really good about that. So, um, so that's uh, you know, it's an excellent rallying cry for certain aspects of uh, of how we how we look at our business and how we look at how we engage in the communities. So, so let's talk about purpose in a number of ways. Um, recruiting, because I know that a large part of your business, you have engineers, you have people with expertise in AI and transportation and logistics, and your 
you know, you need to find the best and the brightest. And I, you know, assume that the top technologists in this country, they don't wake up in the morning and go, hmm, I'm going to go work for a logistics company. <laughs> so, how, so how have you addressed that um, issue? Uh, you know, well, I think um, having a purpose and having a stated purpose and having a purpose that is real and that you're living and that it's obvious to people you're living is an important aspect of how we recruit people. I mean, I think once, um, you know, our, you, you mentioned our website, people look at that and they see that. But once they really get to talk to a hiring manager or somebody in lineage, um, it really kind of speaks for itself. And if you if you think about it, I think this is some of your own data, Carol, but 83% of Gen Z uh, in the U.S., consider a company's purpose when they work there, you know, and people want that special meaning in work. I think they, the, the purpose statement that we have um, brings that home for them pretty, pretty simply, easily. It, you mentioned our data science team. Our data science team, they love the fact that they can, ta- they can tackle tangible, real-world problems that literally do help to feed the world. And so yeah. you know, I think of our chief data scientist, Elliot Wolf. Um, I think Elliot has, uh, has been so interested in projects in the warehouse that at times he'll go out and uh, he'll put out sensors in the warehouse himself. And he's been in the warehouse so long at times, he's, he's almost gotten frostbite from the amount of time he's been out there. But he's so excited to do that because he knows, okay, if I know... If I know the temperatures of all the different corners of the warehouse and all the different spots of the warehouse, we can do this work better, more efficiently, and, and live our purpose more fully. So, you know, those, those are the things that make it cool. And then when Elliot talks to people he's recruiting, he can say, yeah, you can go work for one of those tech companies and do some little thing that's associated with this other little thing. Or you can come here and uh, figure out how to bring the blast freezing time of a pallet down from 60 hours to 30 hours. I have to give you kudos because everybody wants to win um, a, you know, um, to be recognized by fast company as one of the most innovative companies. And you are one of the 50 in 2019. C- congratulations. But you were number one in data science. No kidding. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it's, it was a special recognition for us uh, to be on the list with such good company and, uh, and to be number one in data science. I mean, just, just highlights the point I, I just made. And that is that team, that team of professionals, they see our purpose every day. They live it. They know that the algorithm that they're building or the uh, experiment that they're running or the automation that they're designing is directly influencing how well we That's plain and simple as, as easy as it is. They can see it every day. And so I think that's what makes the work they do so great. So Megan, I mean, I'm sure that you, on a daily basis, you're, you know, you're interacting with your employees, um, you know, you're helping to market the company and communicate. Uh, can you share any story that, that sticks out regarding an employee that is just so excited to be at work because of feeding the world and eliminating food waste? Yeah, absolutely. And so many come to mind. And I think what the most special interactions that I've had is with our team members on the floor that are really working so hard in an uncomfortable freezing environment every single day. Um, I've had so many really heartfelt conversations with those folks. And it really revolves around them really appreciating the company taking the time to memorialize and elevate what they do every single day. They, they appreciate that we recognize that it's, you know, they're not just moving pallets every single day. They're really playing a part in how food arrives at their family's dinner tables, at their friends' dinner tables, at their community's dinner tables around the world. So I think for them, it, it's been a great exercise in demonstrating the nobility of what we do. It's not so transactional. It's has a lot of meaning. And I've had numerous conversations that have had that. And it's been really special to see. And I love what you said about the nobility of what they're doing. I mean, what you have, that's why I'm so in love with, with your company, because you truly have taken your purpose, thoughtfully developed it from the up, down, and across your organization. And then you unlock the potential of every single one of your employees. 
So, so, so that's, that's extraordinary. And, and again, uh, please watch the videos listeners, because the, one of the, um, employees says, we're the caretakers of the food. Another thing they said, we're the guardian angels of the food industry. And those were completely authentic responses, you know, and you going into that video shoot, yeah, they weren't even scripted. It's just tell us what what motivates you to come into work every day? Why do you think you're here? What's the underlying reason that you walk into the into the four walls of lineage every single day? Um, so it's just it feels so authentic and real, and and I think it has meant a great deal to our entire employee population that we've elevated a very niche industry into something that's very tangible, very approachable. Uh, because let's be honest, not many people, to your earlier point know anything about temperature control physics. No one would have to think about it. But this the introduction of our purpose statement has not only added that, that part to the company, which already existed, it just brought it to the forefront, really made our industry tangible, approachable, easy to understand, um, and, and critical. Um, I, and especially throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the importance and the criticality of what we do every single day has never been clearer. So it was very fortuitous almost that we had this purpose statement as as sort of a bedrock of our communications and our marketing so that when we started talking about the essentialness of our of our team and of our company, it rang very true. And it was something easy um, not to sell because certainly we weren't you know actively selling this purpose statement, but it was easy to communicate why we were an important business, why it was so important for our team members to continue to come to work so that they could keep the food supply chain moving. Uh, so it was just, it's been quite a ride with our purpose and it's, it continues to evolve and I can't wait to see what we continue to do with it. I want to pivot to COVID-19 if we can. COVID was, um, you know, it really, as Megan mentioned, a pretty interesting time for us. So when a lot of companies, employees were asking, am I an essential worker? I think our employees, because of our purpose statement and our approach to this, kind of knew they were an essential worker and didn't even ask the question. And um, and then, you know, the work that they were doing when there was all this news about hoarding, uh, you know, food items and grocery store shelves being empty and things like that. Um, there were some of our facilities working a ton of overtime. Our, our people, our team members were working really hard. Um, to do that, and we had some of the lowest absenteeism rates, and um, you know the highest floor level engagement I think than we've than we've ever had because I think people knew that they you know that they had a a job to do here that wasn't just you know an exchange for dollars for hours, but a job that was important to the world. And um, and I, you know that th- that moment made me made me really proud to be a part of this this organization. I um. I remember a story where we decided for our frontline workers that had to go into the warehouses every day, we were going to do a living our purpose bonus. So that's one way that we, you know, tied the communication to, um, you know, to our purpose statement. And um, in order to do that, the executive team gave up a portion of our compensation to fund that bonus for our frontline team members. And, um, and, and one of our team members said, uh, there's no space between what our leaders say and what our leaders do. And um, that makes me really proud to work for this company. And when he said that, it just gave me chills because you know, that's, that's what you want as a leader is you want, to, you want to put your money where your mouth is. You want, to, you want the things that you talk about to be real for people and you want um, the strategies to come to life. And, and, and that was definitely a moment where it did that. Your purpose is so distinct and clear and your response to COVID as I've read it seemed you used it for direction, agility, and uh, with tremendous energy. Um, Sean, can you share, you know, what was it like? You know, all of a sudden, you know, everyone's trying to respond, but they don't know how. But Lineage Logistics knew how. Yeah, well, I mean, I, our purpose drove that. It, it was, you know, it was late, mid to late February. We were, you know, we were really... We were really getting attuned to what was happening in the world related to COVID, and uh, and we saw all of a sudden that um, you know we had a couple 
responsibilities. One is the responsibility to protect our team members and keep them safe. That's our one value is safety. Um, we had a we had an obligation to protect our customer supply chains, and um, and we had an obligation to communities around us that we saw you know food insecurity becoming a increasing problem day to day, week to week. Those first weeks and months that uh, the pandemic was hitting society, and honestly, all, all we did is use that last part of our statement: that our job is to help feed the world here. And if we can't keep my chain running, our customers can't get food to the grocery store shelves. Really, huge problem around the world in terms of uh, in terms of people putting food on the table. And in addition to that, you know, as people were you know, losing their jobs and becoming unemployed, we uh, we we were tuned to security, particularly in the United States, with our America. And we said, "Let's go big. Let's uh, let's figure out how we do 100 million meals during this time." And so, so that's what we did. I have to be honest with you, Carol. We were you know, nervous about the hundred million meals when we first started, so it was a big challenge. But we're, you know, kind of the first in our company, and um, and we said, how do we how do we magnify the effect of what we want to do? Well, our our co-founder and the co-executive Kevin Marchetti was the um, when he went to college at Duke, he was the manager of the Duke basketball team, so he has a lot of contacts in the basketball. And we said, let's partner up with some athletes and, and you know, magnify our response just by getting the word out through Stephanie Curry Foundation, Kyrie Irving, really to jump out the Pistons here locally in Detroit, uh, willing partners of ours. And uh, we did that with, with uh, athletes, Evan team, Patrice Evra in uh, the former Manchester United player in the UK. And, uh, and we're going to say we're 8 million meals, eight million meals goal so far. That's extraordinary. You also are, you either have hired or you're in the process of hiring some thousands of additional employees. Yeah, well, we had, um, you know, big challenges early on because the volume of some of our warehouses went from, you know, normal levels to 50% or 100% more than normal levels because, you know, frankly, the Walmarts and Kroger's and, you know, all the grocery stores of the world were, uh, with empty shelves, were, you know, were begging for product. And so um, we had to, you know, we had to respond to that. And one of the responses was, is we need, we needed people to help. And so, you know, fortunately at the time we needed the people to help. There were a lot of people that were out of work and, um, and we, you know, again, we were able to talk to people about the kind of company we were and said, you know, we know you're out of work now, but come help us feed the world. And, um, you know, I think that really helps us in our hiring practices in terms of how we attract people and, and in, in such a short time frame that we needed to during during those early COVID days. And you were so thoughtful. I mean, you were hiring, I think, perhaps with the lens of Steph Curry and, and the NBA, laid off stadium workers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We worked with uh, we worked with, uh, you know, um, a bunch of different professional or um, um uh, organizations that manage the uh, you know stadiums and entertainment um, entertainment venues that these um, these teams play in, and we put the word out through their network. You know they were laying off and furloughing employees because there weren't games, there weren't concerts, there weren't you know um, entertainment events going on, and so you know we said this is a you know a great feeder pool for us and. And for um, many of our jobs, we don't need a lot of experience. We just need somebody who's you know willing to willing to work. And and um, we do have we do have the disadvantage of a cold environment for people to work in sometimes. But we provide them the right equipment. And and I think that's the other place our purpose helps us. Frankly, is okay. Yeah. Yes, it's cold. Yes, it's hard. But you know, it's it's like any profession that um, you know if you feel like you're doing something bigger. 
hard doesn't matter as much. Um, difficult, you know, doesn't matter as much. And so um, I, I really think it, it helps people to see the value of the work that they're doing. Yeah, I, I want to give a nod to, and Megan, I hope you were behind this, um, that there were some very powerful but authentic videos um, of Greg talking to employees. Um, you know, talking about COVID and the challenges. And I was just curious about, I mean, he practiced best practice, over-communicate, be authentic. And I'm just curious about, was that difficult to get him to do? Or, you know, did you just set up the logistics and then he, you know, gave all those messages? You know, Greg is always more than willing to get in front of the camera to address our employee population. And I think at the outset of COVID, it was so important for us to get out in front of it, reassure our team members, reassure our communities and our customers that we are here, we are rising to the challenge, um, and here are all the things that we're doing about it. And I think we're an organization that's achieved a great level of directness, clarity, um, and humanity in our communications, or at least I'd like to think so, since um, we work a great deal in those areas. Um, but I think with COVID, it was more important than ever not to kind of shrink into the background. It was important that our leader was front and center, speaking directly to the people that needed to hear the message most to say, here's what we're doing. We're going to maintain communication with you throughout this process. We're here for you. We're a team. Um, and, and really reinforce that rallying cry of, you know, we're helping to feed the world every day. And this is now more important than ever. But Greg's always really great about that. And uh, obviously, he's a charismatic person in real life, but he's a, an extremely charismatic person um, on camera. So it's a, it was an easy ask, that's for sure. Well, and again, I think that uh, listeners should just watch some of those videos. We'll put them in our show notes because they're just a really great example of doing communications well. I'd love to dive in a little bit more, Sean, to servant leadership and how that's progressed within the organization. Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, servant leadership, uh, as we mentioned before, is one of our values. And um I think you hear this in a lot of different ways. Uh, the one thing that's great is you'll usually um, you'll usually not hear leaders in the company say, "I run this function" or "I, I, you know, I'm the boss of this or that." They usually say things like, "I support the HR function" or "I support the communications function." Or, and so I think it comes out in our language a lot, um, and that's. You know, that's in part driven by um, Greg and a few of our other key leaders who have a lean background. Um, and so, you know, that lean background is all about people involvement and making sure that leaders are giving people the tools they need to do their jobs versus leaders demanding people to get work done. You know, I think Greg sets the tone here. You'll even see, Carol, in uh, in most of our internal, when we're you know, restructuring a part of the organization or when we're, you know, communicating to our team and displaying an org chart saying this is what, you know, this is how the HR function is structured or this is how operations is structured. The uh, org chart is upside down. It's got the leader on the bottom and all the boxes uh, up on the chart. And uh, you see every single org chart uh, in uh, in lineage that looks like that. And so, you know, we have these artifacts all over the company to just show um, that we're living, you know, living that. I was about to say, I think one of the big things that Greg came in really strong with um, when he came in as our leader is we are not an ego-driven organization. Check your ego at the door. And I think that we've built a really great team across the board of people that really admire and value a team effort and a collaborative effort and recognizing that, you know, we as leaders are not making it happen. We're not the ones making the business happen every day. We're supporting the people who are. Um, so I think it's a it's also just a cultural fit of when we bring people into the organization, are they do, do they exhibit that that attitude of supporting others and really wanting to be a part of a team that values each other's opinions, values each other's input. It's, I think it's a, a hallmark of our culture certainly. I would love to know, I'm curious about any other artifacts, because I love the fact of turning the org chart on its head. Are there any others, Sean? 
Well, um, the one the one that comes to mind is a part a big part of our recognition program. We actually have what we call values cards, and so we take our we. It's very simple. It's like a it's like a um, card stock card with our lineage logo on the front, and then a blank sheet, and then on the on the top half of the card, it has all of our values with a checkbox next to it. So you can take one of those cards and you catch somebody living one of our values like servant leadership or whatever, you check that box that says servant leadership, and then you write some words that say, hey, Greg, I saw you doing this today. It was a great display of servant leadership. Keep going, you know. And you'll see that in meetings. We, uh, we do it every time we do one of these strategy cascades that I mentioned to you earlier. It's really just a part of our practice, our startup meetings in our facilities. So we do, you know, startup meetings with the with the uh, frontline team members, and you'll see values cards being handed out at those startup meetings. So that's one of the artifacts that come to mind when you ask me that question. I'm also curious about, you know, you've grown through acquisitions. So you've acquired over 40 different companies. And I think uh, the last one was uh, almost a billion dollars. So you doubled in size. Um, how do you feel your purpose helped with the um, the assimilation of the cultures into your primary culture? I think um, just like Lineage a few years ago, they all these companies really understand the role they play in business and society and, and understand the importance of food waste, keeping food safe, you know, et cetera. So part of that makes it easy for us. The, the other thing I think it's, um, this is not directly tied to our purpose, but I, I will tell you this story because I think it, it addresses your question is our Lineage logo is a shield. The shield has a bunch of small shields within the shield, and our name is Lineage. And we, inten- I mean, we intentionally picked that shield with the small shields inside of it and the name Lineage to honor the family legacy and the heritage of all the companies that we have purchased over time. We always learn something from one of the companies that, you know, from the companies that we that we acquire. And sometimes we learn a lot and we become better every single time. And so it's kind of real easy to fold them into the purpose because I think intuitively they know it. They know our role in, in society. Then they're glad that we've articulated in a way that I think motivates people behind it. And when we buy a company all the way from due diligence through the integration of the company, we're understanding whether there's a cultural match there all the time. And then when we purchase the company, We've, you know, we've made that decision that culture, you know, the culture matches that, you know, that uh, they're going to be a good fit within the company for, for that and other business reasons, obviously. And then during the integration piece, we spend probably an inordinate amount of time on talking about our culture, uh, ori- orienting people to our company, helping people understand what the structure looks like, pe- helping people understand our values and, and, so, and on and on. Um, I, I use an expression called seven times, seven ways. And, you know, that's uh, an expression around communication. So communicate seven times, seven ways. People understand and absorb things differently. So I think, you know, throughout our integration process, we've done the seven times and seven ways. And by the time, you know, they're sort of fully a part of the company, it just feels natural. And they're just, they're another field in that lineage logo, so to speak. I think, the introduction of a purpose statement of our purpose statement at the outset of any sort of integration is just for lack of a better term, like a great equalizer or a great unifier. It's something that people can immediately point to and say, this is what this company is all about. And it sort of dispels any fear of a corporate takeover, which, you know, M&A isn't always a really um, positive thing in people's mind. And we approach integrations in such a thoughtful, diligent, compassionate way that immediately pointing people to a purpose statement can bring people together and say, okay, I understand what this company is all about. Um, we're doing something very tangible and aspirational and I'm on board. Um, so being able to communicate that right from the beginning just achieves that level of approachability and, and willingness to accept change and and kind of walk with us through the integration process as opposed to resist it. There's some cool evidence, Carol, of what um, what Megan's saying. And uh, we just acquired a company called um, that was previously called Maine's Food Service. Maine's is just uh, about a month uh, as a part of the company. About a week ago, we saw a Facebook post from an employee's spouse 
that was re- that was uh, calling out to us and said, "Lineage, I don't know what you've done, but it's it's already an amazing." Di- I'm paraphrasing here, but it's already an amazing difference for my husband every day that he goes to work or something like that. So, it, you know, those those are the moments where you have to go, okay, you know, we feel like all the stuff that we do around culture, values, and purpose really pay off because that's that's what's important to people. Because probably not a lot in that individual's day-to-day job changed that much. It's probably really just uh, his or her interaction with the company that changed um, during that short period of time. Yeah. And, and um, you know, again, going through your website, uh, there's an interview with Greg, you know, it's, you know, find out more about us. And, you know, he says, you know, lineage is special because our team is special and I'm grateful to serve them every day. Which is just wonderful. I hate to end this conversation. I think we could go on and on. I'm going to put you both on the spot and ask you for not, I usually ask for three insights, but I'm going to ask more for five key insights. If you are going to talk to a willing company, you know, that, yeah, I want to develop my purpose, but I don't know how to start and how to activate it. So, what are five key kind of guideposts you'd like to share with them? The first thing I would say is um, don't don't overthink it too much. It's you know your purpose is probably somewhere in your heart already. If even if you haven't articulated it, I, I listened to some of your previous webcasts, and it seems like that's the spirit that comes out in some of those. Is it's there somewhere? You just have to find it and articulate it in a way that motivates the team to take action or to make decisions based on it. And so that's why we spent so much time up front thinking about, you know, or or coming up with the words. But at the end of the day, what, what we settled on is this just feels right. And so when it feels right, I think you'll know it. You know, stay stay disciplined is probably the second one here. We were talking a minute ago about artifacts and it's just got to be ingrained in everything that you do, and you've got to stay disciplined with with it. Um, again, it's the other reason why we wanted to be right with our purpose and how we articulated it, because we knew we'd have to live with it for the long term. Our, um, our regional vice president, or our, our, our excuse me, our president of the East Region, Brian McGowan, he uses an expression that says there are rowers, watchers, and grumblers. <laughs> and okay. the grumblers are probably always going to grumble. The rowers are always going to be the ones out front, you know, on board with everything. But but there's a big group of people and probably the majority of your population that's watching to see if you're really going to live it or not. So convince those people that you're living it. And then you've got, you know, you've got the, the heart of the organization, I think. Um, and then even though this sounds contradictory, I would also stay, say stay flexible around it because... Um, don't don't let your process become your purpose. Um, remember what your actual purpose is, and all the process that you put around it. Be willing to adapt and change because um, living it's more important than some process oriented approach approach to it. Um, and you asked me for five, so I'm gonna I'm gonna think about two more here. But I think um, I think the other one is this uh, this notion we talked about with with regard to artifacts. I think people need to feel it. Feel it and see it within the company. So one or the others, maybe not enough. You know, it's always the criticism you hear of companies. Yeah, their values are on the wall, but they don't really live them. It's the notion of I need to feel it and see it to believe that it's real. So yeah, it's got to be on the wall, but we also have to have to live it too. And then I would say uh, engage the team in it. You know, um, when when we. When we start doing charitable activities with Feeding America, for example, it's not some think tank at the top of the company that's figuring out what to do. We sort of ask our team members, what do you want to get involved in? Where do you think the need is? How do you think you could help? And they come up with the best ideas and jump right in. So it's, it's, not, uh, it's not always a top-down um, driven thing. Um, I'm just curious. I didn't ask you. Do you have um, a volunteerism policy, paid time off, or eight hours or 16 hours or something like that? Or is it informal? We don't. It's informal at this point. It's usually, uh, you know, this might be the point of staying flexible, but it's usually at the discretion of, you know, site managers, functional leaders, and those that, that kind of thing. But um, 
I can tell you we haven't had a problem with people getting out to volunteer events and and doing good work. So you probably have too many volunteers. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's working for us right now. So you know a formal policy I think for us feels a little artificial versus what we do now, which feels kind of genuine and authentic. And um, I think uh, I don't have the stat right in front of me, but I think last year we did something like 176 volunteer events across our network. So. Um, those were just people who decided that they wanted to go work at their local food bank and uh, and the team got together and organized the day and went and did it. Megan, do you want to add to any of um, Sean's brilliant five points? <laughs> sure. And it's really purely from a communications perspective. Um, and it builds off of what Sean said, which was to pick your words carefully. Um, and I would add to that and say, you have to find the right balance between being both aspirational and authentic to what you're actually capable of doing. And I think within the three portions of our purpose statement to transform the food supply chain, to eliminate waste and help feed the world, we're already doing that work. But we saw such great potential to be able to evolve each of those three segments further and take them into really exciting and impactful directions. So I think it's finding that balance of, you know, we're living it every day. But we also have a lot of room to make a big impact um, and make a difference. Um, so I think finding that balance is important. And then, you know, if it is an authentic purpose statement to your company, if it's something that's really coming from the spirit of your organization already, it should be very, very easy to weave it into just about any communication you put out there without being obnoxious. Um, and you know, I in any script I write for Greg or speech or. Um, communication or um, you know presentation for anyone in the organization. It's very simple to always include it. I always love to give our guests just the last opportunity to add anything else to the conversation you felt you really want to add. I love the fact that we don't take ourselves too seriously. We have this purpose, we have these values, but we also have fun. And aside from you know the words in our purpose statement and the values that I do believe we live. We have a really transparent culture. We talk openly to each other. You don't see uh, a lot of hierarchy in our company, and we have and we have fun doing what we're doing. And um, I think that's just a really important aspect of making this all happen. I would say for any organization, you know, about to start on their purpose journey, um, you won't regret it. It's been an enriching experience from a professional perspective for me and for the rest of the leadership team, I think I can safely say, but it's so worth it. Um, you won't regret going down that path because I think it's just the the benefits and um, you know the, the morale booster behind it is just so real and so worth um, the work putting into it. So I'd say press on. Press on. So, oh, what a wonderful conversation. You certainly did not disappoint. Um, you, you, you know, you hit the ball way out of the park. And I, as our sports are beginning to open up, um, with social distancing, of course. And, um, I, I, you know, I just, I'm so glad that I got to know you better. I know our listeners are going to be thrilled with this. And I want to thank Sean Vander Elzen and Megan Hendrickson, two uh, very accomplished executives that are, I think, very happy where they work. They feel part of the family. They feel part of a, a, a larger purpose. And I would just like to ask our listeners, because I always end with this statement, what is your purpose? <laughs>